Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. We pay our respect to their elders past and present and to the traditional owners of the game Mangrook, without which our game wouldn't exist. This is Footy Actually from Play On Radio. Welcome to Footy Actually, the weekly footy podcast that is alternative listening for diehard fans. I am the footy fan runner Hussein, your host, and with me is AFL analyst Gemma Bastiani, who continues to fly the AFL flag despite the rest of us having pissed off to Tokyo. Good for you. I am have so much admiration for you for holding on while the rest of us have defected. Look, I'm not not watching the Olympics. I just have two screens going at all times. Oh, and someone's got to do it. You're doing it for the rest of us. I'm very <laughs> proud and impressed. Um, it's been an amazing week of sport in general. I have 100% binged the Olympics and really struggled to go back to AFL in between watching the Olympics and then watching my footy teams. There's a weird feeling about it, I have to say. Like, does it feel like a demotion going back to watch AFLM? Yeah. It's like I said this in our Outer Sanctum chat group. It really felt like I'd made these, like, that moment when you finish high school and you go to uni and you make these cool new friends at uni and then you like hang out again with your like childhood friends and you're like oh yeah I remember you guys (laughs) but because your your new friends are like fresh and exciting and new you're not used to them like you want to hang out with them more that's how Um, I felt going back to footy this weekend (laughs) I don't know. I love footy so much and uh, the Swans are playing well, which probably helps my enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas you and the Outer Sanctum group aren't getting wins in the FLM. So uh, that probably deters you a little bit, right? Well, see, the issue for me is not only do I have two teams, but both my teams didn't win. So there's nothing worse than having two teams and then neither of them do well. It's like actually really depressing. <laughs> Makes for a really depressing weekend. So I was more than happy to uh, defect to Tokyo. I love the Olympics. I've always loved the Olympics. It will always. I was really down about it 
because I don't think they should be happening. Yeah. But now that they're on, I'm so excited and happy that they're on. <laughs> I think that's a thing a lot of people, myself included, are in that camp where it's like, this should not be happening. The whole lead up is like, why is this happening? Japan doesn't want it to happen. <laughs> but now that it is actually happening, it's like, well, I'm just going to lean into it. Oh, so much. And like lockdown just dovetailed beautifully into the beginning of it. So yeah. it all works. But this isn't an Olympics podcast. It is a footy podcast. So let's dive in, shall we? We'll start with the spotlight. You want to spotlight some young players. Uh, in true Gemma fashion, I want to talk about young players. But specifically in this one, I want to talk about them having a huge impact and kicking bags of goals. So we saw on the weekend a number of players kick a few goals. Obviously, Isaac Heaney kicked five for the Swans. But the really exciting thing was the fact that Nick Larkey kicked seven goals one. Taran Thomas kicked four goals one. And Max King kicked six goals one. All of those players who are, I think, under the age of at least 22. I don't know how old Larky is actually off the top of my head. But they're kind of putting a stamp on seasons that would otherwise be quite disappointing for these sides. So mm. North Melbourne, the fact that they had two young players have that impact, that's what North needs if they're going to continue this upswing. And that's positive and hopeful. And it's off the back of some really good midfield work at North as well. How good was that win? Like, it, I was so pleased to see them get up. And also because I think it was the coach who was like, no, like, we really don't want to be the wooden spoon. We just, like, you, in the past, clubs, you know, have talked about you know, maybe it's a good thing if we end up at the bottom because we get pigs. But it was so nice to hear that they don't want to race to the bottom. They actually just want to win. And that's what this is all about. Well, North's kind of at that point where for a number of years they've had those higher-end draft picks. And they've also got a number of quite high draft picks from other clubs for very little. So at this point, the, the focus is actually getting that connection on field. And that's what we've seen North Melbourne do from the start of the season till now. That's why they've become a team that challenges good sides is because their transition from defence to forward is quite good. Sometimes their skills let them down, but they're towards the bottom end of the ladder for a reason. But you can see what they're building on. And if they can continue to build on that and then having players in the forward line who are young, who are going to be there for a long time, kicking bags of goals, that's even better. Totally. I was very happy for them. Uh, Max King, I was really happy to see him kick so many goals after all the flack he's copped yeah. earlier on in the season. It was like really nice to see him come through. And the AFL must be so happy with these young players because that's what they wanted, right? They wanted more goals and the young ones are delivering. Well, yeah, and they really want those key forwards to kick those goals as well. So you look at the Coleman medal leaderboard, the fact that Harry Mackay is leading that is incredible for the AFL. Max King in particular, without Rowan Marshall on the side who was stuck in quarantine because he did attend a Tier 1 exposure site, they needed someone that could step up as a tall up forward without Rowan Marshall rotating through there, and Max King did the job. So hopefully by the time Marshall's back, um, they can kind of lean on each other a little bit and become a really good forward duo. 
You also wanted to talk about the Giants who uh, really stole a win, it felt like, off Essendon this weekend. Yeah, I, the Giants, I think, are a team that people are very quick to criticise for a number of yeah. reasons. But I think what we need to do is actually acknowledge how big a win this was. So as much as everyone talked about the Swans win the previous week being this incredible season-defining win, all this sort of stuff, I think this one is close to that for the Giants. And as much as they're not likely to make finals, and if they do, they're probably not going to do much, you've got to consider the context of this game. So Essendon were on a bit of a tear. They had some momentum, some good form. Everyone's talking them up like a finals team. They come up against... The Giants, who still don't have Toby Green because he's still in quarantine. Matt DeBoer's the same. Mm. There are a couple of other players that are probably less important to their side. And then you consider the injuries they copped last week to Matt Flynn and Stephen Canilio. They still got some other injury issues niggling around. The fact that they were able to learn from last week where they dropped off in the second half come into halftime 16 points down and kick four goals for in the third quarter to win back control of the game. I think that shows a lot of maturity in the side. And Josh Kelly, who was subbed out last week with that ankle injury, who I believe he was subbed out. He didn't finish the game. Played in his 150th as captain in this game. Led them very, very well. I, and the fact that they had a lot of even spread as well. So you wouldn't look at this team and say, well, Whitfield, you might say most important player. Some people have talked about Mumford, but the fact that it was such an even spread across the board of contribution as well, that's exciting. And that's what you can build a team on. And this should be talked about as a season defining win for the Giants. Mm, I think that's really interesting because we often criticize them, don't we, for being so patchy. Yeah. Um, but this, you're right, this was a really important win. I almost don't want Richmond to have the easy run that they do to make safe for GWS because I've been really impressed by them. They have the, so they have, sorry, GWS have Port Adelaide next, then Geelong, then Richmond, then Carlton. That's a tricky And one. I just, yeah, I'm a bit like, and Richmond have a really good run home despite the fact that they're, they're struggling quite a bit. They'll probably make the eight, but there's a part of me that I just kind of want, I sort of want to see the Giants make it. I, as much as I agree with you, uh, because I think the Giants have battled through some real difficulty this year to even be still in contention. Um, I don't think any team that ends up finishing seventh or eighth on the ladder is going to do much come finals. I think they're just no. there to make up space. Yeah. That's true. Actually, before we go on, I do want to ask you, given everything that is going on in Sydney at the moment with COVID, what impact do you think that's having on the psyche of like a GWS and Sydney? Do you think that they're very much removed from all of that, even like the politics of it all? Or do you think they're living it, living and breathing it like the rest of New South Wales? Uh, you've got to consider the demographic of those teams. So um, I know the Swans families are currently quarantining in Brisbane to then join them. I think they've got another nine days or something of quarantine. We're recording on Monday, um, just FYI for people who are listening later in the week. Um, so I think that would be the only way they'd think about it because, you know, unless you've got a family with young kids, you're probably not that 
bothered by being away from home, are you? Um, I guess. Yeah. I know I'm generalizing here. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a heavy thing to go through. We went through it last year. I know the players were out of here, so maybe it wasn't weighing on their minds. But I do wonder, you know, if the Sydney siders are being impacted by what's going on. Well, they're both playing good footy. They both had a win on the weekend. So mm-hmm. I think the fact that they're able to be out of it with the prospect that their families will be joining them in the next week or so um, is probably a big positive for them. But personally, I would think, um, and again, I'm a 30-year-old woman who lives alone with no kids or partner. Um, I would, you know, one place that I can actually do my job and continue to do the thing that I love to do it doesn't really matter where I'm doing it from because um, it's the same yeah. thing. But, you know, if you've got a partner that you haven't seen in 45 days and small children that you haven't seen and knowing that your partner has been looking after those small children, that's a very different prospect, isn't it? That's strange. It certainly works for Richmond. When they've been in a hub, they perform much better and they loved it up there last year um, for the most part. I think, fam- you're right, families struggled a little bit, but being together and on the road sort of builds that bond that you need to kind of fight and get through a season like this. So it might be having the opposite impact. You never know. Especially for young guys. I think the young guys love it. And the Swans, we saw that last year. They actually, they traveled without their families last year. Most others had uh, families in the hub. The Swans just, you know, went on the road and they were going all sorts of places and they didn't take families with them. And um, maybe that bonding experience has helped accelerate their form this year even. Interesting one to watch for sure. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Okay, it's time for Pulley Socks Up. Gemma, you've written in here in our show notes, the tight Zoom, <laughs> and I have no idea what it is that you're going to talk about. So lay it on me. Funny because usually before we record, um, we go through what I've written. If it's too vague, I'll explain it before we talk. But we didn't do that <laughs> this time. Um, and oh, I'm kind I love of glad. It. I love it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Go on then. So we all know my love for analyzing strategy of teams, seeing how they're playing, seeing how they want to play and whether that's been executed or not. 
I can't tell you how frustrating it is to sit and watch a team that likes to run and gun, handball through the corridor with running in waves when it the tight zoom is on and it's so zoomed in that you can't see anything that is happening. All you can see is the player running with the ball and you don't know whether they're in trouble or not. You don't know whether they've got support or not. You don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And it is endlessly frustrating. Obviously, the Swans are a team that play that way, so... I want to be able to see what's happening, but also there's an, I mean, Gold Coast have started to play quite a bit like that. North Melbourne, there are quite a few teams that want to play that way. And I think the way producers choose to broadcast the game, particularly at certain venues, um, is really disadvantaging the public from actually understanding what's happening and respecting what's happening. So I think it makes the public more critical of teams or players because they can't actually understand the situation that the players are faced with. Whereas if you zoom out a bit more, give us more of an understanding of what's happening on the field, you can see why a player might kick sidewards or might be taking a while to get rid of the ball or might be apprehensive to go long down the corridor, uh, down the wing because they don't have representation there or something like that. But when it's zoomed in the whole time and then, you know, at times commentators aren't, great at communicating what's happening because they might be calling from the same screen Mm. you just you can't appreciate what's happening in the game and it's just like (laughs) zoom out give us more of an understanding we don't need to see the look on the player's face we need to see what they're faced with and I wrote a whole thing here because I was frustrated yesterday but I'm not going (laughs) to read it out but that's my feelings on it I think we talked about it last week or the week before. Our game is not built for television or at least the way they're broadcasting at the moment. So you're definitely on to something there. And that is (sighs) broadcasting. Zoom out. Zoom out, everyone. If anyone, anyone who watches football with me, which obviously right now we can't do, but, you know, when we're allowed to be with people, the thing I say most when watching any football match is zoom out. Because it just drives me mad. And I think I got spoiled being able to go to the football two weeks in a row and being able to see what's happening and understand it. And then being trapped back in this little box is just, it's driving me mad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, it's very weird this pull your socks up because I feel like we've flipped roles. That's what I'm thinking as well. Yeah. I have a very um, stats heavy a uh, statement I would like to make. You're trying to be me. I would like right? to ask. Yeah, I just really want to be like you, Gemma. Um, <laughs> I'm such a fan. <laughs> Let me have a go. So I think Christian Petrarca needed to pull his socks up over the weekend. He is an excellent player and should have really been in Brownlow contention, I think, this season. But he's kind of... He's not been as good as I would like him to be and think he can be. So he had 31 touches on the weekend against Western Bulldogs, but only 36% efficiency. Um, with the, and I should put the caveat that it was very, very wet weather, um, ominously gloomy. But still, I think he's a good enough player to circumvent that. On the flip side, Bontempelli had 31 disposals and 61% efficiency. And I feel like he's franked his um, status as a Brownlow medalist for this year. 
after this game. It just, oh, it really bothered me with Petrarca. I wanted him. This is purely from a fan. <laughs> this is the fan in me talking. I was very frustrated. He had the touches, but what's the point? Because he didn't have the influence. So, um, and it was really hard. It was so obvious, you know, you had Petrarca and Bontempelli playing this game and it was just so obvious that one was just so much better. Please socks up track. And we will move on to the presser. This is what you would ask in the press room if you were there. I will go to you first, Gemma. So I have a question for Robert Harvey because... I know Collingwood lost. They definitely didn't lose by as much as a lot of people expected. Mm -hmm. I'd like to know how he goes about addressing the young players in the side who all played very, very well, who all showed what the future of that side can be. Um, Absolutely did not take a, like drop their heads at all in this game, despite a 30 point loss. I think it was, I'd like to know how he goes about addressing those young players, despite or it also being a loss? Mm. I think that's a really good question. I would love to be a fly on the wall for that. I wanted to ask uh, Gillian McLaughlin a question <laughs> if he were to find out at a press conference uh, and basically say, are you annoyed that the Olympics went ahead? Because <laughs> surely it's taken some of his audience at a time where he really needs audience. Yeah, true. <laughs> I wonder if... At home, he's like, bloody hell. <laughs> I want to hear about your play on performer of the round because there were so many to pick from, but you are very good at picking the person I wouldn't have thought of, the not obvious choice. So who have you picked this time? So for the last few weeks, I've been giving a caveat of uh, players that did play very well and deserve a mention. So I've got a few yeah. written down here because I know that I'm annoying people by not mentioning their favourite players. Um, so Lockie Whitfield is one that had a great game. Rory Laird was outstanding for Adelaide. Jared Lyons, Marcus Bondapelli, who you mentioned already, Isaac Heaney. Um, there are a number of players that played very well. But the player I want to talk about is Oscar McInerney for Brisbane. Now, the Lions were down against the Suns at half time. I think the um, biggest margin at one point, uh, biggest uh, deficit they were in at one point was 27 points against the Suns. He was the one who got the game going in the middle of the ground to kind of get it back on their terms. He had a really strong presence. He really dominated that ruck contest. But the other thing that he did was he won 12 clearances in this game. Oscar McInerney, their ruck, led the ground for clearances. So it was super important that Brisbane get control of the ball and he allowed that to happen by winning those clearances to then get the possession going and then them slowly peg back that deficit they were in and ultimately won it by a fair margin. So Oscar McInerney, he's a player who had a really big year a couple of years ago and then has kind of had some injuries and simmered away and a few other players have kind of been talked about over him at Brisbane. But mm. this game, he kind of reminded everyone why the big O is so loved by all the fans as well. Some good one percenters from him this game? 
Uh, I haven't looked at his one percenters to be honest, but I know that's what you want to call this uh, this segment. So <laughs> I see you sliding it in there. All right, on to the game of the next round. Who are you previewing? Surprise, surprise. No, I should I shouldn't. This is actually going to be a good game to watch. So it is fair for preview. <laughs> I know I sound like a jerk uh constantly talking about the swans but this is a real and i tried very hard to pick a different game but this it is was a hard huge, this round yeah it was and this is a huge game in terms of what it will do for the bottom half of the eight for sure because the swans are still on that surge to potentially you know crack the top four i know it's a long shot but a win here would do a massive massive job there and then essendon are still trying to push obviously that loss on the weekend hurts them a little bit but Essendon is still trying to push for that eighth spot Swans are in very good form right now they I think will gain Mills and Cunningham back into the side as well which really boosts them we saw the Swans midfield struggle a little bit without Mills but him being back would be huge Um, Essendon are coming off a costly loss and will really want to rectify it and also at the the time we're recording right now no suspensions have been made but if Buddy isn't suspended, I would be very, very surprised. So that then creates an option for Amati or Hayden McLean to come in and have a really big forward presence alongside Sam Reid. So, and and we know Buddy likes to kick goals against Essendon, likes to score against Essendon. Mm. So I think this game is going to be a fascinating one. Uh, I'm looking at Port Adelaide versus JWS. Yep. Uh, I think this is interesting because... Like what we talked about, GWS could really push ahead um, if they announce these next few games. It would be really good for building confidence. But I think it's equally important for Port Adelaide um, to solidify themselves in the top four. Mm. And their only real challenge coming up is Western Bulldogs in round 23, that top four challenge. So Port Adelaide have been patchy too and confusing to me so I'm really interested to see who gets up here um Giants have won the last three out of the four games they've played against each other I think it's fairly evenly matched ish I mean it's an interesting one when it comes to the midfield we've talked about the Port Adelaide midfield and how important that is to their game as a whole the Giants have the sort of midfield that can really smother that kind of um midfield output which would be where you start to beat Port Adelaide. How do you shut down Boak? I don't know that Boak is the biggest issue. I think Willem Drew or Ollie Wines are probably the biggest issue right now. But if they can get DeBoer back, which they should be able to, then if you can assign him to an Ollie Wines, um, and we saw Jack Viney play a really close checking role on Ollie Wines and Melbourne were able to beat Port that way. So if you can bring Boak in for that, because Boak is quite a strong player as well, so it can go with Wines. And then they have Jacob Hopper, who's a big, strong body, who can go head-to-head with Boak pretty well. And then they've got Kelly, who's a smooth mover on the outside. Same with Whitfield. If they can win it in the middle and get into the hands of a Whitfield and a Kelly, there's no re- and if, if Toby Green's back, obviously, there's no reason why um, the Giants can't win this one. It'll be interesting. I really hope they do get up for that one. It'll throw a spanner in the works if they do. And that's we're all for that on this Absolutely. podcast. It also helps the Swans in their surge up <laughs> into the top four. <laughs> oh. 
All right. Well, let's look at some listener questions now. I've got a few here for you, Gemma. Um, the first one is very close to my heart. Are Melbourne dropping off or can they find another gear? Their forward line clearly needs to lift. That's where the weak spot is, isn't it? Well, it's the most inconsistent part of their team, for sure. Um, can I just say as well, I haven't mentioned it anywhere else, but Jake Lever might just be the cleanest player in the wet I've seen in a long time. The way he handles the ball is above and beyond anyone else in the competition when it comes to the wet um, conditions. I think um, I think Ben Brown in that side works. Obviously, there were some kicks that skewed off the side of the boot and his kicking at goal wasn't great, but his presence in that forward line completely changes the way everyone else plays and they need to get used to that. I think the smalls need to be more active in front of him because he's bringing the ball to ground more often than not. If he's not taking the mark, he's very rarely outmarked. So if they're more proactive in front of him and actually crumbing those balls, that makes a big difference for Melbourne. I, and this kind of will come off the back of... Uh, last week's conversation about Jack Viney. I'd love to see Jack Viney playing in the forward line um, mm. because we saw that kick into Pickett. That kick from the boundary yeah. to squared up to Pickett is one of the most beautiful kicks I've ever seen. But when he's under pressure yeah. in the midfield, very rarely does he execute a kick like that. But I'd love to see him sit forward, apply a bit more of that forward pressure, potentially even play a defensive forward role on some of the rebounders that um, other sides might have. And... Mm. Back in the defence, we know that they can back in that defence, but I think move Viney there, I'd love to see Sparrow back in the side because he's a midfielder who can kick a long bomb from outside 50 for goal. He's quite an accurate shot at goal as well. So I think there are some very small changes that can be made to fix that side up, um, but the coaching panel needs to be willing to make those changes. And we've seen some seasons in the past they haven't been willing to even when they're in a position like this. So it'd be interesting what team selection things are done this week. They definitely need to stick with Ben Brown. I think Wiedemann's out, surely. I don't think Wiedemann has the presence yet um, to assist in that, in the way that Ben Brown does. Mm. On to Essendon. What could Essendon have done better to win against the Giants in a close one? I'll be honest, I was only half watching this game because mm-hmm. something was on it. What Olympic thing was on at the same time? The uh, Matildas, maybe? Yeah. So there was something on. But yeah. I think Essendon, they need a little bit more even reliance through their midfield. Um, I've been called out for saying they rely too much on Darcy Parrish before, but I think this game was a pretty <laughs> good example of you, you can't heap it all on one player. Um, it needs to be more even spread. Darcy Parrish is having a fantastic year. He's a very good player and he deserves all the accolades he's getting. But in those conversations about him being up here, we're forgetting that the rest of the midfield is down here and not really supporting him. And it forces him to use the ball poorly as well because he just very rarely has support. So I think that is probably the first step. The other is their key defensive stocks, They, if they could get, you know some of their key defenders back into the side that completely changes their side as well. I think next year is really exciting for Essendon. I Absolutely. Sort of to end so they can kind of build for next year. Yeah. Uh, last question. And North a chance at all against probably premiers cats in Hobart. Uh, I added probably premiers. No one, I don't think people are saying that just yet. 
I think they'll win the Premiership this year. But this game is in Hobart and North are on a good run. What do we think? I should mention that when we were quickly talking about what the questions were before we did this podcast, I questioned yeah. the probably Premier's part. Yes, I, I took offence yeah. to that. Um, <laughs> I think it also, anyway, let's not talk about that. That's not the relevant part of this. I think North are absolutely a chance as long as they don't get sucked into allowing Geelong to control the tempo of the game. Because what Geelong do very well is go fast when they want to go fast, but then when they feel like the game's not on their terms, they possess the ball, slow it right down and take all the air out of the game to then get it back into the way they want to play. So what North need to do is A, not turn the ball over too often, which I know is a big ask for a young team that wants to play quick running football through the middle of the ground they need to be really clever with the way they choose to use the ball and then going forward they need to run and carry into the forward line or look shallow they need to not just constantly bomb it in Mm. high and long larky's not going to take the marks that he did on the weekend he's not going to kick seven goals if they're constantly bombing it high and long and allowing blitzards and um, Stewart and Tui to just take intercept marks all day because we've seen other teams fall into that trap and just all day turn the ball over every time they try to go forward and then Geelong are very good at rebounding it and just possessing the ball up the field to then score themselves. So they need to make sure they don't put their defence under too much pressure because we know how strong that Geelong forward line is. They need to make sure that they're applying that pressure up the ground and being very clever with their ball use going forward. If they can do that, they're certainly in with a chance. They've challenged the best teams in the comp this year. They really have, which is so weird to think about. Um, I have another question for you, Gemma. Aside from Sydney, who would you want to win a grand final this year? Who would I want? Not who I think. Not who you think. Who do you want to see win? Well, I mean, Melbourne's the obvious answer, isn't it? Oh, yeah, okay. Sydney or Melbourne? <laughs> Who do you think, Will? Uh, I hate making these calls, but based on current form, you've got to be closely looking at the Western Bulldogs and Geelong. Mm. And again, whether it's me being biased or not, Sydney's probably one of the most informed teams of the comp right now, right? Yeah, they're going under the radar. I wouldn't hate if Brisbane won. I forgot they were even in there. Brisbane would be okay too. I think it'll be a... I'm a fan of just making calls that I have no real insight into. So I'm going to (laughs) say Western Bulldogs and Geelong will play a grand final. And then I think Geelong will win it. That's my take. Mm. I hope I'm wrong. Let's discuss in in a month's time. In a month's time, yep, hold my horses. All right, well, we've got a fresh fixture, so it is just hot off the presses, dropped into our feeds. We'll start with Friday night, St Kilda versus Carlton at Marvel Stadium. Who do you think wins this one? Carlton, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to do a big spiel about why Carlton are going to lose, but just no, I'm going to go with St Kilda. What about you? Yeah. I'm going with St Kilda too, um, and that's a change. So Essendon we're going to play on Friday night. It's now Carlton and St Kilda. Mm-hmm. On Saturday, we now have Western Bulldogs versus Adelaide at Mars Stadium. Ballarat. Yeah, that is Ballarat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Western Bulldogs for me. Gee, wouldn't it be fun if um, Adelaide could get... There's no way Adelaide's winning this. But, uh, I mean, I would be very surprised if Adelaide won this. But uh, <laughs> it would throw, again, Spanner in the works, right? Yeah. But I'm going to tip Western Bulldogs. That would be smart. Uh, North Melbourne are playing Geelong at Blundstone Arena. Uh, I think Geelong will win this. But I do think North are in with more of a chance than most people would give them. I wholeheartedly agree with everything you just said. Gold Coast versus Melbourne. We're not sure where that is yet. Um, he, I mean, the way Melbourne's going at the moment, look, I'd like to think they'll win this. I think Brisbane broke Gold Coast. <laughs> sure. So who Melbourne do you think? Des- Melbourne, I'm typically okay, Melbourne. Good. Just making sure. Same. Uh, Collingwood versus West Coast at the MCG. I think West Coast will have this one covered. Oh, that's actually a tricky one, I reckon. Mm, it is tricky. It's almost anyone's game. I feel like for the energy of Collingwood's young players, I want to tip them. That could be mm. my smoky for the round. I'm going to go with Collingwood. Okay. I think that's probably a good one to go with. Essendon versus Sydney. We've talked about it already. I think Sydney will win. Same. <laughs> with the added fist pump as well. I'm trying um, to get the energy up. I'm, I'm, it's uh, <laughs> it's nearly 7pm. I've got lots of work to do tonight. I'm trying to get into it. We'll move to Sunday. Hawthorne will play Brisbane at UTAS Stadium. UTAS. Um, not to be... <laughs> Okay, that's better um, than what went on in my head, which was UTI related. Um, I think Brisbane win this one. Oh, Rana's lost her mind. Uh, Yes, I'm going with Brisbane as well. They finally worked out how to play without Eric Hipwood in their structure. And I think from now on, they fix that problem and they go forward positively. Uh, GWS play Port Adelaide. As we've discussed, we're not sure where. I think Port Adelaide will win this. I'd like to see the Giants get up, though. I'm going Giants because if if it were at Adelaide Oval, I would tip Port, but it's the Giants' home game, so I doubt that it'll be at Adelaide Oval. Um, I'm going to go with GWS. We will see. And then last game is Fremantle versus Richmond at Optus Stadium. I don't know. I think Richmond will win this, but I'm so not sure. I, 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 three days ago, I would have tipped Frio straight away. But the injuries they've copped, they just can't catch yeah. a break with injury. And I think that's something they really need to look at in the offseason is – you know, maybe moving on some of those players that continuously get those soft tissue injuries um, mm. and add to that Fife's out for the rest of the season. Walters is injured. Sean Darcy is playing on a pretty proppy knee. Lobb was out. They just can't catch a break. So I'm going to go Richmond purely for that. And I know Richmond supporters are going to say, Richmond have got injuries too. I understand that. But Frio's <laughs> injuries are so significant that it begs the question what is happening at Fremantle oh poor Freo 
I hope they win, but I don't think they will. Well, there's one more thing we have to quickly mention before we go, and that is the AFLW draft, Gemma. So as people are hearing this, uh, the draft will have already happened. Um, But as we're recording this, it is tomorrow night. I'm very excited about it. Um, Make sure you're checking out the Siren socials and the Play On Radio socials because uh, I will be doing a big write-up about the draft, about every single player that's been drafted, what their value is to the team they've been drafted to, just like I did last year. So make sure you keep an eye out for that um, to get an understanding of who's coming into your your side, um, why your side has potentially drafted them and what it means going forward. Because this is kind of the last main list build part of this off season before we start to look toward preseason on the 1st of September. So it's very exciting when you're hearing this, it's already happened. So make sure you're checking for that stuff. Um, so where can people find you on Twitter so they can read all about the draft? So if you go to GL Bastiani on Twitter, I will be sharing all the things there. Uh, very excitedly. What about you, Rana? I am at Rana Huss on Twitter and I'm currently only discussing the Olympics. Um, <laughs> and that's all I want to talk about ever. I'm, I'm a real expert in fencing now and skateboarding. So join me. <laughs> the skateboarding was such a joy watching those young oh, girls so and just all so supporting good. each other as well. They got around each other so well. It was really nice. There's some real um, sisterhood going on at the Olympics at the moment that I'm loving. So um, I'm really enjoying it so far. But hit us up on at Play on Radio Mal on Twitter as well if you have questions for us. Um, until next time, who needs love when you've got footy actually? the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTER Exclusions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.